And for our second scripture reading, we're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 5 and read verses 31 and 32. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1502-1502. Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32. It has been said... Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it be conformed by his truth. In 1970, Governor Ronald Reagan signed into law no-fault divorce into the, for the state of California. And shortly after, practically every other state followed suit. From that time until 1980, the, the divorce rates climbed. They went from around 27% up to 50%. And it has roughly remained at 50% ever since. What this law has, has done is to permit divorce without any viable reason, such as infidelity or spousal abuse or abandonment. The other impact that this law has had is that it has brought about a reduction in the number of people getting married. Because divorce has become so easy, and because so many marriages have failed, less and less of our younger generation are getting married. In 1970, 80% of all adults were married. Today, that number is 52%. And, and it's estimated that, that roughly 25% of, of millennials will never get married. Marriage is an institution that is on the decline. And it has been an attack both from within and without. And this, this decline has led to a weakening in our society. Listen to some of these statistics. 24% of divorced women live below the poverty line as compared to only 1% of married women. And children of divorce are five times more likely to live in poverty. They are also 14 more times likely to be abused and 12 times more likely to one day be incarcerated. Marriage was an institution created by God for a reason. He, he established it in the Garden of Eden before the fall. It was created to benefit mankind. And this is, this is what we read about. This is what Joni read about when, when, in our first scripture reading. Look at Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The creation of Eve was for the benefit of Adam. Marriage was God's intention from the beginning. 
We see this explained a little further on in verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The union between a man and a woman is the closest relationship that a human can have. It is to be an unbreakable bond. They are to be one flesh. And this covenant is to be a, a picture of God's covenant between himself and his people. This is why in the, in the book of Malachi, God says that he hates divorce. It's a, it's a defilement upon his name. And it is, it is destructive on a, on a number of levels, affecting more than just the husband and the wife. The, the statistics that I read to you bear that out. Our society today no longer values the institution of marriage. But as we'll, as we'll see from our text today, our, our culture isn't unique. When it, when it comes to divorce, the, the people of Jesus' day were facing very similar issues. But before we jump in, let's, let's take a moment, step back, and try to understand the context of the passage that, that we just read. Now, if you, if you recall, Jesus had previously said that he had not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but he had come to fulfill them. What he was telling his disciples, that, that the things that he was about to say, he was not saying them in order to change God's word. Rather, he was trying to convey the heart of God's word. You see, the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were, were bringing about some faulty notions as to the intent and purpose of Scripture. This is why six times Jesus would say, You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. What he was doing was correcting these faulty teachings of his day. Now, our, our two verses were coming off the heels of of Jesus' teaching concerning adultery. He had, he had just said that, that lust is the root cause leading to adultery. And so it's fitting that, that our next topic that Christ would tackle would be divorce. Because it's typically adultery, adultery typically leads to divorce. Let's look again at Matthew 5, verse 31. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Now, what was Jesus referring to here? What are these certificates of divorce? In our, in our previous two sections, the previous two sermons that I gave, it was pretty easy to, to pinpoint what Jesus was talking about. For both do not murder and do not commit adultery are from the Ten Commandments. We recite them here once a month. But here, Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 24. Today, this is not a widely known passage. But what, what is uncommon for us was actually not that uncommon for the, for the people of Jesus' time. 
For this was the, the go-to passage when anyone desired a divorce. But let's look at this text and see what we can find. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, and, after, and if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband, who divorced her, is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Now what sounds like some convoluted language to us made perfect sense to those living at that time. Here's what you need to understand about divorce during the time of Moses. First, Israel was a patriarchal society. And so all the major decisions concerning the family were decided by the husbands. So only a man could initiate a divorce. Second, because of the many wars that they fought at that time and the high fatality rate among the men, it was not uncommon for a man to have multiple wives. It, it was almost a necessity for it was a way of, of taking care of the widows of that day. Typically, uh, a man would be called upon to marry the wife of his deceased brother. And yet, because of this fact, there were plenty of marriages that were unwanted. And so God had given to Israel this law concerning certificates of divorce as a way of protecting women. The, the purpose of these documents were to make sure that, that the woman would not become destitute simply because a man threw her out of the house. By giving a woman a certificate of divorce, this allowed her to, to, to remarry without being seen as an outcast. Fast forward to Jesus' day. And we see debate over the meaning of this passage. There are basically two pharisaical schools of thought. There was the school of Shammai, and there was the school of Hillel. And the, the dispute was largely over the interpretation of verse 1. Look at that verse again. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her. Now what did Moses mean by the words something indecent about her? In other words, what were the legal grounds for divorce? The school of Shammai believed that something indecent referred only to adultery. And if adultery did occur, then the husband was required to divorce her. On the other hand, the school of Hillel pretty much thought that anything could be considered something indecent. So if, if your wife was a terrible cook, 
that could be grounds for divorce. If she didn't produce any male offspring, well, you could just toss her to the curb. So who was right? The school of Shammai? The school of Hillel? The Pharisees once asked Jesus this very question. Look at Matthew 19, verses 3 through 9. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. What we see here is Jesus pointing them back to Genesis. The institution of marriage was around a lot longer than the law of Moses. You see, these Pharisees were squabbling over the wrong verse. They shouldn't have been grounding their convictions concerning marriage from Deuteronomy 24. They should have been going back to Genesis. The only reason that Moses had given them such a law in the first place was because they had hard hearts. God knew that, that these men of Israel would divorce their wives for ungodly reasons. This rule about certificates was God's way of protecting women. It was not meant to be the standard. It was, it was an escape clause, if you will, for, for women who had fallen prey to wicked men. The true standard is found in Genesis. And this is exactly what we see in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Matthew 5, verse 32. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus' words are pretty clear. If a man divorces a woman except for marital unfaithfulness, which is a breaking of their covenant, then he is causing her to become an adulteress. You see, Jesus knew the situation of his day. He knew the limited power that a woman had. What he was basically saying was that all these men who had hard hearts and were willing to divorce their wives without justifiable cause, they were causing women to commit adultery, for they had nowhere else to turn but to get remarried. Now li listen to me carefully. Jesus isn't putting the blame on the women here. 
out. He, he is directing his judgment upon the men. And his judgment is severe. Look at Matthew 18, verse 6. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. These men who would divorce their wives so easily were, were forcing these women to seek refuge in an adulterous marriage. Jesus was correcting their faulty rationale for justifying such wicked acts. He was correcting their interpretation of Deuteronomy 24. It was not meant to be the standard. So where does that leave us today? We don't really go to Deuteronomy 24 to talk about divorce. How does, how does this translate to 21st century America? Our divorce laws are quite different. Women have a much greater say than they did back then. What would, what would Jesus say about our no-fault divorce laws? I think he would do the same exact thing. I think he'd take us back to Genesis. To where God had, had founded this great institution called marriage. He may say something like this. It has been said, an individual can divorce his or her spouse at any time, for any reason. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his or her spouse, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes him or her to become an adulterer or an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced spouse commits adultery. Dear friends, divorce has become so common that I can safely say that each and every one of you knows someone, someone you love, who has been divorced. In fact, there are people in this room that have been divorced. Some probably for good reasons, and some probably for not so good reasons. I don't know your history. I don't know all your stories. Whatever the case, you can't change the past. You can only move forward. And in moving forward, Christ offers to his church two gifts. First, he offers forgiveness. If, if you have divorced someone without just cause, if you have committed adultery or have caused someone to commit adultery, know this, Jesus died for that sin. If you repent and trust in him, he will give you a new identity. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what you once 
were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now there is a long list of sinners here. And I'm sure that we, that we all fall in a, into at least one of these categories. And there is forgiveness in Christ for each of these sins. But I want to I highlight the word adulterer. Adulterers are worthy of being banished from the kingdom. And yet, if you believe Christ to be both your Lord and Savior... If you have repented of your sins and have trusted in Him, in His work upon the cross, paying the penalty for your adultery, if you believe that He rose from the dead, bringing victory over sin, death, and the devil, then you are no longer an adulterer because you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. You now have a new identity. You are the bride of Christ. The second gift that Jesus offers to you is an opportunity to be salt and light. You can do this through your marriage. Maybe you have already been divorced and are in a second marriage. And maybe you left that first one for the wrong reason. And yet through Christ, you are now clean and forgiven. What God now wants from you is, is for you to demonstrate to the world what it truly means to be one flesh. Your marriage can be a picture of the gospel as you live out this covenant relationship. The bond between the spouse that you now have can, can shed light on the greatest of covenants. The covenant between the bridegroom, who is Christ, and his bride, who is the church. How do you do this? By holding fast to that covenant and not letting go. It means fighting for your marriage, even when your whole being just wants to give up. After all, this is, this is exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus is that, is that faithful husband who, who isn't looking for any reason to, to get rid of his wife, even though he had every reason to divorce her. I mean, let's be honest. As his church, we have been an adulterous wife. If there were ever, ever grounds for divorce, he would be just in throwing us out. And yet, his, his love for us extends past our adultery. He demonstrates his mercy and his grace. He, he fought for you. He fought for his bride when he went to the cross. And as your husband, he is committed to the covenant that he made. He is dedicated to your sanctification. Making you holy by, by washing you with water through the word. So that he might present you to himself 
as a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And this is what he's called you to. He's called you to this in your marriages, to, to extend mercy, to extend grace and forgiveness, to hold firm to the covenant that you made, to, to be a, a beacon in a world where divorce is so commonplace, to shine a light of faithfulness that is a picture of the gospel. Dear friends, this is who you now are. You are no longer an adulterer. Rather, you are a faithful husband. You are a faithful wife. For this is what Christ has called you to be. For this is who he is to you. Grounds for divorce? Christ had all the grounds in the world. Yet he stuck with you. He stuck with his church. He will not divorce her, but he holds firm. This is our hope. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your son, who is our faithful, faithful bridegroom. We're not worthy of a place at his table, and yet he, he brings us to the seat of honor. We sit there as his bride. We ask now that you would help us. Help us in our own marriages. Help us to be faithful and true to our spouses. Help us to hold on even when we want to let go. We can only do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. So help us to, to walk with him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.